Welcome, welcome to Freaked Out with your co-hosts, Liz and Landon. What's up, everybody? I am so excited, by the way. I just wanted to let you guys know today, specifically, um, we have now put our podcast on iHeartRadio. So if you guys prefer iHeartRadio, that's another place you can get this podcast. We're very excited. I hope to one day get it on iTunes. We'll be working on that soon. This week... I wanted to give a shout out to the top patrons of the week. That would be Nikki Cookies, Lauren Bell Welton, MS Southwind, and Katie Vanderton. Woohoo! Thanks, guys. Without you and your awesome support, we wouldn't make this all possible. So thank you all. And next week, we will be covering a pretty crazy story on the patron side. And if you're interested in hearing about it, we'll give a little bit more detail at the end of this episode. You won't want to miss it. Last week, we dropped a very emotional episode about Notorious B.I.G. with a lot of touchy subjects, even hard for myself and my own experience to kind of come out with. I just wanted to let you guys know it's there and it's a good episode to listen to. And Landon and I are getting better and better with these recordings. So it's more of a like personal one-on-one for me episode. And I highly recommend it. Today's case is yet another case of two little girls where they didn't get enough media coverage in any capacity. So let's see what we can do. I know we have viewers and every day the numbers go up, but I do need your help. If every single one of you listen to this podcast, Please post this podcast on your Facebook or Instagram timeline. Heck, even on your Snap story. Spread the word just so everyone else can kind of see this too so that we can get our podcasts from the thousands to the ten thousands already. So today uh, we are talking about the Bradley sisters. Let's get started. Tracy Bradley returned home from work on the morning of July 6, 2001, expecting to see her two young daughters Tayanda and Diamond. She said there was nothing. On the back of the couch inside the apartment on Chicago Southside, there was a note, allegedly written by Tracy's 10-year-old daughter, Tayanda. The note claimed she and Diamond, her three-year-old sister, had gone to the store and to a school playground nearby. Mom found something very odd about this note. The letter seemed to be far too perfect for a 10-year-old who had written it. Plus, it was weird for Tionda to just leave a note. More likely for her to just call her mom and basically let her know what's up rather than writing a note. The FBI determined that the writing did belong to Tionda, but not sure if she was forced to write it or not. The mother went searching by calling her neighbors, and by then she went out and around looking for the girls as well. She looked for a while, about seven and a half hours after she couldn't find them, and contacted the police. The police actually arrived quickly for this situation, which statistically is quite shocking. The search for the girls involved three beat cars, two supervisors, two canine units, which combed through the neighborhood, including dumpsters, yards, vacant lots, businesses, and lakefronts. Eventually, the search would expand to become the largest missing person search in Chicago's history at the time, including involvement by the FBI and a tip line that did bring 824 tips, none of which were really taking them anywhere, but 
They did, in fact, get them, but still no sign of the girls. The suspect list isn't long, but a lot of people believe the mother's delay in calling the cops and odd behavior surrounding the police needing her to review a video on surveillance was a bit odd from the perspective of the media. There was also a few men in the neighborhood that were doing some work and could have hidden the girl's body in some sort of, like, rolled-up carpet. There is also a neighbor, Tom. According to the family, there was a voicemail with Tianda telling her mom to pick up because Tom was there at the apartment with a cake. This voicemail did end up disappearing. It's been over 20 years and there still is no sign of the girls. Let's get down to the business. Do you feel like the girls are still alive? Sadly, I do not feel as if they are still alive. I know the family still hope, and I wish I had better news or thoughts about it. I just don't feel like that is accurate. But we do need to get down to the facts now and clear up some of the suspect list. I know that the world we live in now, it is really quick to look at the parents' odd behavior because we all react differently in different situations. I can say with major confidence to say that mom didn't have anything to do with this crime. I do, however, feel like mom was making some tough choices surrounding her daughters. I do feel like she had no choices sometimes to leave the kids. And I do feel like she would ask like the closest neighbors to keep an eye on her kids. I do feel like she would go out for a job, but I also feel like she would just leave them. And unfortunately, she didn't have easy access to communicate with her kids. And being so young, that was, it's kind of concerning. I get it. We all run into money problems, but it, definitely was a big factor in this situation. Now her daughter, from what she shows me, she calls mom a few times, but only left one voicemail. Since mom didn't answer the phone, the person who took the child asked her to leave a note for mommy. And I see her struggling with the idea of leaving a note for her mom, but I feel like this person kind of helped her write the note. And she did try to call her mom a couple of times without leaving any voicemail. Can you feel both of the girls? Yes, I can. I feel like the older sister, Tianda, is the one who I will get most information from because the little one was more focused on the fun that she was about to have, which makes me sick to my stomach. She was the one pulling this man towards the door and rushing her sister. She was sick of the cartoons and all the time spent inside, and there was an adult with them, so why not? She was always full of energy, and I feel like Tianda was relieved to see some parental assistance since her baby sister was a lot to take care of, and she got in her way of playtime. Sounds like pretty smart kids, both wanting a change in scenery, which makes sense. Like, kids, you know, they don't want to sit all day. They want to play. They want to go outside. Right. Well, Tianda still has a guilty conscience about it and not listening to mom's instructions, and she feels like it's her fault. But I explained to her that she was 10 years old at the time, and it's not hard for a 10-year-old to make child decisions and sometimes gets confused on who we can trust and not trust, especially when a man is being extremely nice. Oh, yeah, I can see how that would look to a 10-year-old or even younger, like the baby sister was only three. Exactly. The girls show me that this Tom person was someone they had seen often and had been someone who was around all the time. However, I don't feel like he was the one who took them, but someone who knew Tom that didn't live in the building or even in the area for that matter. However, this man who dated a few of the single mom in the area 
I feel like he was someone who had seen and heard of an opportunity to assist these kids. Like I see that Tom was kind of communicating with them and then the kids were kind of asking Tom to go out and play. And I think this guy kind of maneuvered himself into this situation. When that happened, I feel like Tom left. He just assumed the guy would be cool, you know. I feel like the man entered the house, closed the door, walked around the house, being super nice to the kids, walking around and looking at the things in the house, like the fridge or telling the girls he needed the washroom, checking in mom's room. I even feel like he spent a little time in there sniffing panties. I feel like Diamond had caught him doing that too, and I feel like he redirected her. Of course, she's three, though. This guy was walking around the house. Was this plotted? No, I don't understand a few things with this. So I will give all the details that I can feel. I feel like he hasn't taken a child before. I feel like he wasn't planning on taking them even when he left. I don't even feel like he was planning on keeping them. Something happened to, like, escalate the situation. The girls show me that they left the house, a.k.a. the apartment complex or wherever they lived, with hopes of getting, like, a slushie and maybe even a candy bar and also getting out of the house. And I feel like it was a pretty nice day. Not the best, but nice enough. And I see the girls were out in public and I see this man holding their hand and, like, them skipping along. I'm unsure if there was a car or not involved because they were not in their neighborhood but they knew of the area. So they may have been in a car. They just don't show me that. At least not at this point anyway. And then they show me that his phone rang and then things changed. I know it's hard for kids to be able to focus on details, especially when they aren't currently in any sort of danger. Yes, it is. But I'm going to keep on trying to keep them focused. So she, meaning Tionda, shows me the phone call. She shows me that he had like a silver phone And it may have had like a light up antenna on the phone. He had a funny ringtone and he was on the phone for a while. Now she shows me the guy started to yell at the person on the phone and he stopped walking too. So they had to wait a few minutes and I feel like it felt like a long time because the store was just a few feet ahead of them. So they were getting impatient. Did the store have any sort of markings on it that the kids can remember? Blue overhead. A red slushie on the front, like the blue, white, and red flavors, I'm assuming. Maybe an ice machine outside. Maybe even a gate near the store. She shows me that it didn't have a parking lot and people would just park outside, out front. She shows me they both went in and were able to get candy bar and a drink. Any videos of the kids in there? I don't think so. I mean, there may have been like a VHS or something that was recorded, but I feel like it would reset every day or every other day. But she shows me they didn't know this guy very well. He wasn't someone who they had seen a lot of, but from what I gather, it wasn't even their own neighborhood. So I think it maybe been this guy's neighborhood. I feel like Tionda shows me that she had been in there in that area once or twice, but it was with their like mother at that point. Footage back then was more so used for robbery related things. I'm glad we have more of that in place now for a longer period of time, especially at the little mom and pop shops. Oh, for sure. She shows me that once they were outside again, that's when they were put in a car. She shows me that there were a few people in the car, including a woman 
with braids and seemed as though she knew this woman because she shows me she didn't really follow directions from people she didn't know. So in order for her to be like comfortable getting in the car, but I do see her sister ran right into the car with no hesitation. The man that had originally taken these girls did not get in the car with them. And at this point, at least he wasn't involved. She shows me that they were on a long ride. They were also informed that they would be meeting their mom. And since she wasn't able to get in touch with her prior to leaving, she shows me that this was like a normal feeling. She didn't think anything badly about it. I can feel your energy. I feel your, <clears throat> I see the stress on your face. What's going on now? I don't know how to say this, but I feel like the person is someone very personally close to them. Like they had a relationship with the mom and hated her. I don't quite understand if I'm going to be completely honest. And I feel like this woman was jealous of the mom for something, maybe even as far back as Tionda's father. It seems as though she is completely insane and has like a vendetta against the mom. And from what the girls show me, the man that had taken them had spoken to this woman on the phone. And in that moment, she asked him if anyone had seen him or had talked to him and that she wanted to take the girls from him. Tianda heard those words on the phone, but it didn't make any sense at the time because she was a kid and didn't understand what the heck's going on. I even feel like this guy wasn't even interested in doing this, but because this woman had some like major dirt on him, he didn't really have any sort of leg to stand on. He almost didn't listen to her. And I feel like this woman is the person who took the children and the kids show me nothing more than that at the moment. As I'm getting all this information together, the girls didn't like the details I was giving, so they kind of closed off my computer. Uh, so I had promised to remove some of the things they did show me and be careful on how I worded things. I feel like the girls are still in fear of this woman even now. Do they know her personally? What I see is that she isn't a biological aunt but someone who was maybe a friend with her mom, or at least for a while, but they didn't get along at all at some point too. Well, since it's hard to get these answers out of them, maybe we can get another detail to see if that helps. Do the girls know how long they traveled? Diamond shows me that she was in the car for a long time and it was like until nightfall. And then she shows me she was in a hotel room with her sister and this woman and another man as well, but she doesn't even show me this guy. Like, they are petrified of him. I do not know what this man looks like in any way. And this man is not the same person as the person that had originally taken them. Because they, like, look at him like he's a nice guy. They both said that they were loud that night because they were freaking out. They wanted to be with their mom. Then the woman and the guy had been fighting and kept going outside to smoke and fight some more. Do they know how long they stayed alive? About a week, maybe two weeks from what I can see. But they also haven't crossed over as of yet. And I'm trying to help them figure that part out as well. How do you help someone cross over? Normally, there are spirits on the other side that are there to help guide them, especially little ones. However, because none of this made sense, and none of the spirits from the other side were able to convince them to cross over. They just sort of stay stuck in the bad memories. 
God, I hate this part. That's got to be tough. I'm trying to explain to them that all the bad stuff and all the memories will like go away and they won't feel that pain anymore. But I feel like I may have to come back to helping them at a later date. Maybe I'll be able to do a follow-up episode at some point for them and maybe spend some more offline time with them. It's going to take some time to convincing they do not trust me. Is there anything you could tell us about the people who took the kids? From the vibe I pick up on from these two people, I see a few things. So the woman, I feel like she has done things from being a drug dealer all the way up to trafficking drugs and kids. I see she got involved with these things at a very young age, perhaps even a father connection to drugs as well. I feel like she definitely had a rap sheet like a mile long And I feel like the connection to the other guy who had initially taken these girls who hadn't really planned on anything may also have had some sort of relationship to her, maybe like a sibling. The man, the faceless guy in the car, is basically all I can see. The girls show me it was like a shadow man with a hat on and his eyes were mean. They kind of show me something pretty distinctive on his face, like maybe some craters, bad teeth, but they even show me him with green eyes, which I don't believe that's what is actual reality it's what they kind of see him they are crumbled with fear by him makes sense like typically when kids think back to like a bad memory they'll kind of look at somebody I remember a kid when she saw something bad it would be like a shadow figure she would say but you know kids that young you know their minds are crazy I know it's probably a tough one to ask but is there anything else you know about these people I know the woman lives in the area. She doesn't have a lot of money. I also feel like she's been around the mother after the girls passed as well. The girls said it doesn't happen anymore, but a few years after they disappeared, this woman came around again a few times, even comforted the mom about the missing kids. These things make me like so bloody mad. It really is disturbing. I can at least tell people this. When we do things morally wrong, and by morally wrong, I mean killing people, raping people, hurting kids. And if you have no remorse, and I'm not like talking about, I'm sorry, I just don't want anything bad to happen to me kind of thing. I mean, genuine remorse. They get punished and they will not be able to come back. They will not be able to be with good people. They will just suffer for the rest of their soul, lifetime, whatever that may be. (laughs) But they get a hell type of punishment. Evil people. Evil living people. Have these people kidnapped kids before? Seems that way. More so if they come across kids, they nab them, but I don't really know. I feel like they have experience in it somehow, but I'll find out more when I can. Do you know any of the other details to share about this case? And will it get solved? I feel like these kids are attached to the database of stolen sex trafficking children. I feel like there will be some evidence that may suggest these two girls were stolen, but I'm not sure if you have watched every single episode of this podcast or not, but I have mentioned a few times when it comes to kidnapped kids, sometimes the people who steal these kids end up freaking out and killing the kids prematurely since it's like a high profile case. In the beginning, I think basically they thought it wouldn't be. Um, Even Diamond, I feel like she passed as well within a certain period of time. They were close together in their death dates. The other thing I feel is that the man who originally took the kids can't come clean. 
can't do it for whatever reason. He thinks about it all the time. Not sure much more than that. He's also very, very, very addicted to drugs. I feel as though this situation caused that, to be completely honest. I think he only used to sell drugs, and now I feel like he partakes. I wouldn't be surprised if this man died at some point soon. If I will even be more honest, I'm surprised he isn't already dead, as it appears that he has a very heavy heart about this. Thanks for all that information. We will come back to this episode if we feel anything more later on. We have no idea of the time frame, but when it comes to us, we will talk about it even more. Hopefully the girls, in the meantime, take on what Liz has said and hopefully find their way to crossing over. Now, I don't want to scare people by making the statement of not crossing over. I want people to understand that they aren't in pain, but they just haven't released their life yet and letting go of all that emotional trauma that they have endured. They also have stayed in the exact same age and everything. They will get there one day, but I'll do my best to help them as much as I can. I am a stranger in their life, but they do now know me as an option. So maybe when they feel out my energy a little bit more, they might get a little bit more curious and they may want to approach me about things. Recently, we watched the Our Father documentary. I was blown away about how the hell all this came out and I had to ask you, Liz, about your feelings on some of these unanswered questions and see what you can feel. Sounds good. Now, for those of you who have not had the chance, I highly recommend it. To give you a very brief overview, this fertility doctor was inseminating women with his sperm over and over and over again. Some women who didn't even know that their husband's sperm weren't being inserted and also being told that there were private donors. This man had had at least 100 cases and counting at the moment. So much more to it, but please take a look for yourself. I'm still thinking about it days later. I am literally still in shock. I couldn't even imagine if I found out to be that person's kid. I almost want to take my own DNA to prove otherwise, you know? Exactly. <laughs> there is 0% chance for me but it makes you think for sure. First question, how many times do you think this man did this? Oh my goodness, you, you will not believe this, but I feel like he's been doing it for a very long time. Even the last five, six years, he didn't do it as much, but he still did it. And he did have a lot of failed attempts too. Multiple attempts on different women as well. I would say he's done this at least 3,000 times where he has successfully implanted over 500 people. I know several have died. I know that there were some pregnancies that were not successful. I feel like the number 292 will be the number or close to that number of siblings. That is insane. Now, the other question that has been on people's minds, where and why did he do this? I know there's a lot of conspiracies behind it, and I know he killed the little girl. However, that was only a part of the psycho that he became. When he found God, the God he found anyway, was a man's theory of white supremacy and how he needed to find a woman and plant his seeds all over the place. It was as though it came to him when he was testing his own sperm count and the high mobility rate. He decided to give it a try on his first woman and she got pregnant and even had the baby first before he tried again. 
I feel like he was successful. And so because he was, he used his sperm for every single person he implanted from that point on. He fudged the documents with fake names and fake information. He never got asked about it. He never had to prove anything to anyone. His rates were always a very high success. And he started to have men with low sperm count basically pretending that everything is fine. I even feel like there was a woman who came to him with a couple of different uh, children and did end up getting them pregnant a few times, including children, siblings there. And I feel like the kid's father think that they are the father, of course. I feel like he shared in his progress to one person as well. Who did he share this with? So the group of men associated with this like little cult, uh, he had a friend and he had a few wives from what I can see. He wanted 20 kids and I feel like they talked about it. This man preaches a lot and I feel like they basically are even still buddies now. However, they protect themselves and don't feel like he did anything wrong. So he doesn't have any remorse about this. He doesn't have any remorse whatsoever. He looks at it like he gave them life. They should be grateful for it. He doesn't understand how his own flesh and blood would turn on him. He's a very different view on this and he doesn't feel like God is angry in his mind. He did God's will to make sure that this science didn't mix races. He wanted to make sure that white people are outnumbering the black people in the world. And I feel like he really isn't the only one. I feel like there are a few others that still have yet to be caught out there. And one that may even be a little psychotic, pretty similar to his story. I remember you mentioned that stuff would come out with DNA and connected to this. Think it's starting earlier? Oh, the 23andMe thing. Well, it's great, but this is going to be used in so many different ways. It's going to be wild. We're going to catch murders, missing kids, anything. Even be able to access things in hospitals. Like, just you wait. This isn't even the start of it. And I stress the situations to come. And there will be, like, abused kids. And it'll be legally allowed to be able to get done. So there's going to be a lot of controversy around it, but it is going to solve a lot of crazy things. And that's the main focus here. Any other legal issues this guy is going to deal with? I don't think so. But I wouldn't be surprised if he lives the rest of his life somewhere hidden. Seems like most of his family members have cut him out of his life and he's pretty much alone. He doesn't have much of a life. He's isolated and has very little. I also don't feel like he will be alive forever. Is there anything else you would like to discuss about this person? I do feel like the kids will get some sort of payout. Something good will come to them when it comes to the money side of things. And I feel like it may take some time for it to happen. And not all of them, but some of them will get it. Maybe the rest will get something else maybe later on. I'm not totally sure, but there will be some financial compensation for every one of them. I even feel like a movie will be made about this bizarre situation as well. Even maybe a show with a few episodes. That sounds crazy. I don't really know how I feel about that. That would just be too much to watch. <laughs> right? Unless they did it from like the siblings point of view. Like finding out like starting with Jacoba and going from that like how she started like really going into how she did it and found the siblings and then maybe like attacking him or something definitely makes sense go in that direction maybe <laughs> be like yeah that's change awesome the movie. ending of the story yeah <laughs> yeah to something a little bit more like justified seriously
Next week, guys, we have something pretty special happening on the next episode. Now, this will be in the exclusive part of the podcast again. So, Brittany Murphy. Now, I had tried to do a TikTok on her previously, and oh my god, it was a very uncomfortable read. Her husband interfered with a lot of it. It was bizarre energy. It freaked me right out. But I feel like I need to try again, and I want to get more in-depth this time, and I'm going to try to get her alone. The following week, we will be doing a fun episode here, talking about questions you guys may want to ask us. You can leave your questions in the comments section, or you can leave it on the Freaked Out page on Facebook. Once we are closer to June, I will be announcing upcoming episodes, so please make sure to follow the new Facebook page, Freaked Out. Please make sure to share it as well. A lot of people have asked me in the past if I will ever release exclusive episodes on the regular channel. I may do that at some point, but for the time being, it's not something I will be doing. I would like to get our thousands of subscribers to like the 10,000s or the 100,000s before I start releasing those episodes on the other side. Thanks for all that information. I can give a little teaser of cases that we plan to cover. We're going to cover Avicii, Mac Miller, Amy Winehouse, Anna Nicole Smith, and Liz wants to give it another go with Marilyn Monroe. Now, which one do you guys think we should do next? Best way to vote for the next one is if you leave comments in the Facebook group or you can leave them in the comment section of this episode. We will announce the winner of who we will be doing first on the next episode and on Facebook. So keep watching, guys. I like that, actually. And you know what? I'm going to even make a TikTok video about it. So make your votes, guys. It'll be all of these above. Avicii, Mac Miller, Amy Winehouse, Anna Nicole Smith, and Marilyn Monroe. Who do you want us to do next? We're going to do them all, but who's next? Thank you for listening. Until next time, guys, stay freaked out.